Hey, welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth steps, resources, join a servant team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this moment financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. Jennifer and I were just talking about how it seems like the roads here in Florida are quickly starting to fill up again. And we're all hearing about places that are beginning to reopen, maybe not at full capacity, but they're slowly starting to inch themselves back to what used to be the normal. Now, the normal is going to be different, right? Whenever that comes and we get back something close to a normal, it's, it's different. You, you come back and you notice some changes, right? Uh, probably best represented by this meme that I came across. This is funny. It's like pastors, pre-pandemic, all sharp, post-pandemic, all savage. <laughs> and, and maybe that's what you'll experience when you get back into the workplace or back into school. And you're like, man, some things have changed, you know. We're having some fun. But, but I think out of the bad situation that we've all been in, there's, there's been some good changes that have happened. Because I, I've heard more than a few people say something along the lines of, I just love all the family time that I'm getting now. I love the quality family time. It's more than it used to be. I heard one person recently saying, man, I don't know if I want to go back to the rush of how things were pre-pandemic, how busy I was. I like to keep this little different pace I have going. And what I want to say to you as our church family, I want to encourage you to lock in the changes that have been good. I mentioned this briefly in our CE Zoom family call that we had, and I, I just was talking to some of the folks in our church. I said, hey guys, just lock in those positive changes. And I want to say that to all of us. The changes that you have made that have been good. Maybe you didn't have family dinners before this, and now you're sitting together around the dinner table. Why don't you, why don't you make that a commitment, at least a few nights a week. Say, hey, we're going we're gonna to do that together. Or maybe have a, a, a full-on family game night, or, or whatever it is that has been a positive change. I'm reading more, and there's been a little less media, or whatever it might be. Lock those changes in so that when life does come back, whenever that does happen, to a somewhat normal schedule and pace, you have made some progress, you've made some positive changes. So lock those in. How do you do that? Write them down. Write them down. Talk about them with those close to you. Pray them through. Make a plan. And lock in those positive changes so we can all grow closer to Jesus and grow closer to those that we care about, even through this very difficult time. Now, some people have started to ask the question, well, when are we eventually going to get back together as a church in person? And we know most churches are not doing that. 
and um, people are not yet going to the movie theaters and, and the malls and those sorts of things. And so when, when will we get together? And I just want to really briefly address that, and we'll keep you updated along the way. But we, we don't yet have a set date. We're looking forward to that. We can't wait. We've been doing our best to make some improvements so that when you come back, I think it's going to even be in a better experience as we eventually get back to a, a normal. But a few of the things that we're looking at, just so you're aware, so that you know it's just not a haphazard, quick decision, uh, some of the things that we're considering, not just what's legal and lawful. We can legally gather together, but, but what's recommended? honoring our authority, what are the leaders in our, in our state, what are they saying, what are they recommending, in what phase do large group gatherings get back together again? That's one of the things that we're watching. It's not the only thing, but it's one of the things we're watching. Also, what's wise? What's wise and keeps people safe, but also has a balance of, all right, you know, it seems like life is kind of moving on for most people. So what's wise? What's ultimately, what's God want us to do? And there's another aspect of this. We have a community that's watching us. You know, this, this pandemic season, I don't know if it lasts months or longer, but, but this season that we're in, it, it will pass. This too will pass. But God willing, this church hopes to be here shining light into the darkness in our city, in our cities, and beyond for generations to come. So one of the questions we want to think about is, is how is this perceived in our community? You know, if, if we rush back into it right now, is that perceived? Does it build trust with the people around us? Or does it break down trust? And that's one of the things that we're just thinking about. And, and ultimately, what, what best positions us long term? And, and three to five years, when we look back on these months of this pandemic, will we be glad for the decisions that we made and, and balancing safety and keeping everyone safe and also getting the gospel out into people and, and people's lives and, and, in this case, into people's homes and vehicles? And, and you know, I, I love the phrase that you've heard a few times during this pandemic from our church. We said, you know, we're not shutting down. We're ramping up. And, and I'm encouraged at what God is doing, the good he's bringing out of a bad situation because, man, the gospel is out on the internet more than it ever has been before. I saw a friend of mine that I played basketball with the other day popped up. We had a Facebook live stream of our service going and, and I saw his name pop up. He kind of shares like who's, who's on there and, and, and that guy's never walked through the doors of our church. I've invited him before, but there he is. He's kind of watching online. And, and you know, I, I think you and I have friends that this is a key time to invite them. To share it. Maybe some of you want to do that even right now. Is hey, join me. I'm watching the service online. Join me or, or join me at the drive-in this next weekend on Saturday night at 8 p.m. I hope that you will take advantage of this opportunity to share the love of Christ with our community. You know, we're in a season, and, it, and it's probably a relatively, in the scope of time, a relatively short season. But while we're in this season, we want to make the biggest impact we can and set ourselves up for the long term of what God's going to do through this church family to reach many families and individuals in our community and beyond. Right on? Right on. Well, this teaching series that we've been in, Kingdom Come, man, it's been powerful. I know it's been powerful for me to study and think about, pray through this, this topic, you know, Kingdom Come, and, you know, and asking God to lead through this time. It just seems like he's, he's doing some things in our church. This, we've been talking about revival, and that's what we really want God to do because his kingdom come, God's kingdom primarily, a big part of God's kingdom is the reign of Jesus over all things. The reign of God through his son Christ over all things in, in my life, in my, my home, in our church, in our community. That's what we want. We want God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. And that's where we've been these last few weeks studying about the kingdom of God. And today I want to look at Mark chapter 1. There's a phrase that Jesus used and associated with 
the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 1, I want you to notice verse 14. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. It's, it's good news. It's really good news. And he, he's proclaiming this news. And look what he says in verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That was Jesus' message. He said, repent and believe. The kingdom of God has come near. Increase your faith. Trust in in God. Put your eyes on the Son of God, on Jesus, because why? The kingdom of God has come near. But he says this interesting word here. Did you catch it? He says, repent. Repent and believe. We, We talk a lot about believing in God. God believing in us and us believing in God, but, but you don't hear a lot of messages about this word these days, repent. Repent, he says repent. He marries that word together with repent and believe, and he puts that there right as he's talking about the kingdom of God. And so what does that word mean? How can it be powerful in my life? Why does Jesus use this word? Well, we're going to start with just casually what it means, and then we're going to un- unpeel some layers of the onion, and I think you're going to see some, some powerful things here, what Jesus was talking about when he meant repent because the kingdom of God is near. So repentance essentially means to, to turn, to turn, and I'll just put it in terms for us, turn away from sin, turn away from something, and turn to someone. Turn to God, away from sin and to God. And, and, and there's at least a couple reasons why this matters here, that, that Jesus, one, uh, he marries uh, repentance to the kingdom of God. And two, if we want to see the kingdom of God come in our life, we have to repent. Because if the kingdom of God is Jesus rule over my life, then he can't be ruling over my life if sin is reigning in my life. So for Jesus to reign, for his kingdom to come in my life or in my home, in my city, then there has to be repentance. There has to be a change and a turning from something so I can turn to someone. But there's another reason why it matters that we repent from sin. Not only because Jesus talked about it here and as we're talking about the kingdom of God, he brought that into the conversation. Not only because his kingdom can't come unless we repent, but here's, here's another reason from Proverbs 28, verse 13. It says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them, renounces them finds mercy. So the person who just buries their sin it says that they're not going to prosper over time, not, not in God's eyes, but, but the one who confesses and renounces, they, they turn away, they repent from their sin, they will find mercy. Now, sin is, is, is carrying around a weight. When, when we're allowing anything in our life to reign other than Jesus, and, and you might say, well, it's just a little thing, it's just an exception, it's just this little corner of my life, God's, I'm sure he's smiling over all of my life, but there's, it's just this, it's okay, he probably doesn't think it's a big deal, he might not even notice it. But whether you think it's a small deal or you can see clearly it's a big deal, when you allow sin to reign in your life, when you allow sin to be present in your life, you agree with it. You say it's okay, it's acceptable, it's all right. Or, or even just procrastinate dealing with it. I'll deal with it later. I don't, I don't have time for this. I don't know how to get out. I'm just going to let it, I'm just gonna let it, let it go. It tells us that, that we're not going to prosper, not in God's eyes. That It's not until we confess it, repent from it, turn from it, that we see the favor of God really surrounding and blessing our life. That's a big deal. Years ago, I had an opportunity to hike with a friend to the top of Cloud Peak. 
Cloud Peak is in the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming. It's a mountain that's over 13,000 feet in elevation. And uh, it's a little, it's kind of like stepping into the world of mountaineering, which I knew nothing about when we set out to hike this mountain. And it was going to be an overnight hike. And we, we geared up, we got all of our stuff. And, and as we were in the hike, we were talking about the things that we brought, you know, stopping. And we, we camped out one night and, and we made it to the top. We'd sit around a little bit. And, and, and I noticed there's some differences in how I packed and how my friend packed, who is a mountaineer. So, so just for example, we got to the top of the summit and we could look out. We'd hiked for a really long time to get to the top of the summit. And we're looking out over the mountains. It was so beautiful. And looking out of the clouds is amazing. And I pulled my journal out because I brought it along. I wanted to write in my journal about this epic experience. And, and journaling is something that I've done every day for many years. And I, I wasn't going to miss this opportunity to write about what I was experiencing. Well, he, he did the same thing. But I noticed I pulled a little, little leather journal out of my bag. He pulls a single sheet of paper. Because he's like, I can, I can save this later and put it in a journal, but I didn't want to carry the weight all the way up to the top of this mountain peak. I'm like, well, that, that makes a lot more sense than what I did. I just carried this book, essentially, up this entire mountain. But he took it further. He told me that he even cut the tags off of his shirts. His, he, had a, he had a jacket, he had a coat, he had a, a shirt. He cut the tags off because he didn't want a single ounce. <laughs> he didn't want a single ounce with him that he carried 13,000 feet in elevation that he didn't have to carry. Why, why carry anything that you don't have to? And, you know, I kind of laughed about it a little bit when I found out he cut the tags off his clothes. But although it's a little funny, it's, it's kind of a big deal when you think about how it translates to our spiritual life. Why would you carry any sin? If you know sin leads to death, that sin's not good, it's, it's displeasing to God, it destroys your life, why would you not get rid of and cut out every part of sin in your life? Repent means to turn from sin. Even just a small amount of it. Repent from it so that you can see the favor of God increase in your life, the blessing of God increase in your life. In your teaching notes, maybe you want to write this down. Sin brings death, but repentance brings life. Repentance brings life. When you turn from sin and you turn to Jesus and you say, now I don't want to go that way, man, it brings life in, into your life. But when you settle for sin, it, it destroys, it decays, it brings death. Sin pushes the reign of God essentially out of my life. Because what I'm saying when I'm choosing sin over Christ, and that's what you have to do to choose sin, you have to say, no, Jesus, I'm not going to do it your way. I know what your way is, and, and your way is, is how you've instructed me to live, but instead I'm going to go my way. That's what sin is. It's kind of missing the mark of what God has laid out for you. And you're saying, you know what, no, I'm going to do it my way. When we do that, we're pushing the reign of God out of our life. So we're pushing away the kingdom of God, and we're trying to establish our own kingdom and for our own glory to do things our own way. But that will crumble. And it's not a lasting kingdom. It's not going to be a fulfilling kingdom in the end. The kingdom of God is and will be forever over all things. So we want the kingdom of God to reign in our life. And when it does, then real, true life emerges. So we're talking about repentance. Here's again, not something you hear a lot of messages on. But, but repentance is such an important thing because it's all throughout the Bible. We, we need to talk about this. But to talk about repentance, we have to talk about what we're repenting from, what we're turning from. We know we're turning to Jesus, but what are we turning from? You know, again, it may seem obvious on the surface, but it's this idea of sin. The Bible talks a lot about this idea of sin. Well, what is sin? It might, might seem obvious to most people at most times what sin is. We don't have to spend a lot of time describing it. But, but the Bible does in a number of different places list out examples of what sin is so that you know real clearly what missing the mark looks like. 
And I want to look at briefly just one of those lists in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, listen to what it says, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we want the kingdom of God to come in our lives because we know that that's where real life is, that that's where real joy is, that that's where real peace is. And what it's telling us is that the opposite of God reigning in our life is for sin to reign. And when any of these things are are reigning in our life, we're pushing out the kingdom of God in our life. And it says we will not inherit the kingdom of God when those things are reigning in our life, when those things are the things that are the greatest in our life. And Jesus is not the greatest means his kingdom has not been coming in our life. And we want God's kingdom to come. We want God's kingdom to fill our our life. And so some of the sins seem obvious on these lists. If you you look at these lists in the Bible and lying or stealing, it's pretty obvious if someone's lying to you that you'd say that's wrong, that's a sin. Someone's stealing from you, that's obvious. That's a sin, that's out of bounds. You shouldn't be stealing from me or lying to me. Where it gets a little tricky, where it gets a little muddy is when it's not someone else's sin. But it's your sin. That favorite pet sin of yours that you've justified. Well, that's not that big of a deal. I know, I know it says that, but I'm sure it means something else. Different time, different place, and doesn't really apply to me. And you know, God, you know, no one's perfect. God, God doesn't care. He's okay with it. We, we've talked. <laughs> we've had a conversation. He's good. God's never going to contradict his written word. Never. And when his written word says it's a sin, it's, it's a sin. It's wrong. You're pushing out the kingdom of God in, in your life when you say it's okay, when God says it's not okay. To repent means to turn from these sins, but when we say it's not a big deal, and God says it is a big deal, it creates distance, distance between us and God. Well, we tend to miss what God's will is when we start to hold on to the ways of the world and we start to justify them, and it might be for, for what seems like very logical reasons. Well, most people in the world have good reasons for this sin being okay. It's culturally acceptable. It's not that big of a deal. And we, we start to kind of wade into those waters. Well, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Let's not make a big deal about it. Let's not talk about it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And God's saying it's not okay. So how do you know if you've slipped into that thinking and that mentality? How do you know what God's way is? How do you know what God thinks about something? Well, it tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. How do you know what sin is? If you want to know, am I living in sin? Is God okay? Here's what you need to know. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. How do I know what the pattern of the world is? If I'm in it or not, if I'm living for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world, how do I know? It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God, your kingdom come, your will be done. So God's kingdom coming, right there in the Lord's Prayer, is associated with his will coming. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And his will, it says, is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's amazing. There's no way, there's no will better than God's will in God's way. So your will for your life is not as good as God's will for your life. 
What God wills for your life, what God wants for your life is better. If you can believe this, it's true. It's better than what you want for your life. I don't know if I can believe that, Brandon. I, I want some good things for my life. You, you don't know. And it's true. And you, in your eyes, they, they look great. They look glamorous. They look amazing. You know, they look shiny and flashy. That, that would be awesome if I could have that life. But listen, God's way is always, take it to the bank, always better than your way. <laughs> you can just count on it. It's always better than your way. His will be done, not your will be done, because why? Look, right there in Romans 12, too. Again, let me look at it. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect. His perfect will. You won't find better. It's perfection. His way is higher than our way. We know that. We know that. His way is higher. So if I want to know what, what it is to sin and live in the ways of the world, how do I know that? Well, it tells me right there that, that I need to transform my mind, I need, by the, the renewing of my mind, then, it says then, then I will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So I'll know God's kingdom when it comes. I'll know God's will when I see it. When I'm sitting around, well, how, I don't, how do I know what God's will is? And this is a little different conversation than should I do this career or that career. I'm talking about the ways of God in my life. What's God's will for my life? One, God's word tells me. But two, if I'm walking closely with God, repenting of sin, we're not talking about being perfect. You're, you're going to make mistakes. You're going you're gonna to mess up from time to time. You're, there's always room for growth and improvement. But if you're living in sin, that's different. And if you've repented from sin, you said, I'm not going that way. I'm going God's way. It tells us that that's how, as our mind is renewed in his word, as we're transformed, that's how we know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it's for our good. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. Those whom I love, God says. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Repent, because God loves you. He wants the best for you. And when he disciplines you, when you, when you go off path and you do it your way, you seek your will, and there's consequences. And we talk to our kids about this a lot. It's like, like you could choose your actions, but you don't get to choose the consequences. <laughs> in this season of your life, mom and dad choose a lot of those consequences. Good decisions, good rewards, and bad decisions, there's consequences. Same is true with God, our Father in heaven. He freely allows you to make choices. And you can choose your actions. He doesn't want to control you like a robot. He wants you to choose him, but he'll allow you, if you want to, choose the kingdom of the world. Choose the ways of the world. But what you don't get to control is the consequences, both short-term and long-term, of those choices. And God wants the good consequences in our life. It tells us right there in Revelation 3, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Because I care about you, I don't want you to miss out by chasing the lies of the world. So as you start to do that, because I love you, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to rebuke you in my kindness. Some people would describe it like, yeah, I hit rock bottom, and that's when I finally changed, and then my life got a lot better. And, and he doesn't want you to have to hit rock bottom, but... He's willing to allow you to suffer consequences temporarily so that you don't have to suffer them eternally. It's his kindness. But even better yet, renew your mind. Accept the, the rebuke of God and repent of sin so that you don't have to experience those consequences. This is the good news of God that he loves you so much that he's provided a better way through his son Jesus Christ that you can be forgiven of your sin and your past and your future can be filled with hope and love and joy for all of eternity as you walk with him, as you repent from sin and as you turn to God. Turn away from sin, turn to God. Proverbs 1.23 says, Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. I love that. It says, then, after you repent... 
Then I will pour out my thoughts to you and make known my teachings to you. You want to know God's ways? You want to grow like never before? You want to be refreshed spiritually and get out of that funk that you've been in? Repent. Find that sin in your life. Anything that's hold back, say, you know what? I'm done with that. Turn it away from that. Turn it to Jesus. Man, it'll bring a season of refreshing into your life. Put it this way in your notes. Personal repentance brings personal revival. What needs to change? What needs to change in your life so that God could change more in your future? My time alone with God a little while back, I was reading through Ezekiel, and I came across a verse that just never really leaped off the page of me before. It's not one I'd ever really just caught, and I it was reading through it, and I was like, oh, man, that's, that's so good. And I want to just share it with you because it applies to today's message. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23, says, This is God speaking. He says, Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? That's so good. God doesn't take pleasure in people perishing. He wants us to repent and turn from sin so that we can really live and have life to the full, as it says in John 10.10. Look down at Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 30. He's speaking to his people, the nation of Israel, and for our benefit as well, We can peek in on this conversation. He says, therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. There it is again. It's in the New Testament and the Old Testament. He says, repent, turn away from your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all the offenses that you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Listen to his question. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. So so he marries the idea of, of repentance and life. A full life in Jesus Christ. If you want a full life, repent. Turn from sin. Turn away from these things that are offensive to God so that you can live. He takes no pleasure in you perishing because you choose an earthly path but he takes great joy in the one who chooses an eternal path and he blesses them and fills their heart with the pleasure and kindness of God as they're close to him and walk closely with him. Personal repentance brings personal revival. There's a passage that's really well known that maybe you've studied before. It's one of these kind that you put on Christian t-shirts that people make slogans out of. It's it's really a powerful one. In fact, I even heard of a prayer movement that was going on during this, this COVID season. That people are rallying around this, this, this verse, Second Chronicles chapter 7, uh, verse 14. And I want to read the verse before it, verse 13 and 14 to you today, because I think it's, it's really uh, grounding when we're talking about this idea of repentance. It's what we want, what we hope for, for our, our nation and our world, for our cities and our state. This is what we, we hope for. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or I command locusts to devour the land, or I send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, if you will confess your sin, if you will acknowledge the ways in your life that are not right, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek his face and turn from their sin, 
But did you catch that? It's such an important part to confess our sin, to turn from our sin, to repent. <laughs> That's when the refreshing comes. So when we turn, we turn from sin and we turn to God. It talks about prayer and seeking God. and It talks about the forgiveness and the healing that come. But all of it comes through that if-then conversation in that verse. If my people, then will I hear from heaven. It's an if-then. If you want God's blessing to fall on your home, if you want God's blessing in your life, if you want to be closer to Jesus, if you want to know the power of God working in and through you, if... Then, then, then you need to repent. Repent from sin. Turn to God. His ways are better. So what is that sin that you've been holding on to? What is it that you need to repent from? Now, I make it a practice of occasionally, and it's, it's, it's a dangerous, it's, it's a scary prayer up front. But I have a practice of occasionally just asking God, just, Holy Spirit, just speak to me. And, and, and I, I want him to speak conviction into my life when there's sin. It's uncomfortable <laughs> when you feel that, that prompting of God, well, what about this? You've been, a little, you've been a little patient lately. Remember how you got angry and got upset the other day about this? What about those words that you said? What, what about this area over here? But will you have the audacity and the trust in God to say, you know what, God, all of my life, you know my mind, you know my thought, you know my heart's, my heart's desire, but God, I open all of that up to you, and I just say, God, speak to me. It, reveal and expose any area in me that's not pleasing to you. And, and I'm going to confess it. I'm going to repent from it because your ways are better. And I might be comfortable here. I, I think I'm comfortable here in my sin, but God, I know your ways are so much better. So disrupt my comfort. Convict me from sin so that I can follow you wholeheartedly, Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's a turning. It's a turning from something and it's turning to God. I was on a, a prayer walk. I, I, I would love to go on a walk every single day for a prayer walk. Not every day do I get to go on a walk when I pray. I pray every day, but I, I don't get to go on a prayer walk. But when I do it, I can get out in nature and just talk with God. Those are some of my richest times with him. And I like to get around water if I can or get out into some wooded areas. But if I can just find a place where I can just get alone and have solitude with God in nature, to me, that's just so life-giving and refreshing. And, and I was on a walk the other day, and I was walking down a sidewalk along a, a there was like this, this large fence. And it was a fence that had a, a top to it that was pretty wide. It was this, this wall that had been built along the sidewalk. And as I was walking along, there was a squirrel up ahead. He jumped off a tree somewhere along the way, got on this wall, and, and he was just kind of walking along. And as I'm approaching, as I'm walking along, as I'm going toward the squirrel, he sees me. He looks up and he sees this human coming. And he, and he, he starts to scamper away down the wall further away from me. Well, I keep walking along, and I'm just walking, enjoying nature, praying, and just watching this squirrel now to see what he's going to do. And, and, and as I get closer to him, he, he goes a little bit further. And then, then he stops, and he, he's, he's up ahead of a ways, and I'm still walking. But as I get closer, he, he now stopped. He starts to run again, and he runs further away. And, and we did this dance where I would get within five or ten feet of him, and then he would go further, and then I would get in five or ten feet, and he'd go further. Well, I noticed that he was doing this. I, I saw what was going on, but I realized that we were getting toward the end of the fence. We were getting toward the end of the wall. I'm like, what's he going to do? <laughs> because he's out of runaway. He's out of room. And so I'm, I'm just still casually walking along, and, and there's a tree about five feet off of where the, the wall is. And he stops right there by the tree, and he looks back at me. He looks at the end of the wall. He looks over at the tree. 
And he must have been thinking in his little squirrel brain, I'm out of options. <laughs> I can jump off the wall, which is a pretty big leap. I can jump on this guy, or I can jump over to the tree. And I'm glad he chose to jump over to the tree, and that's exactly what he did. He leaped. He leaped and jumped over the tree, and he was fine, and he scampered away. But I was thinking, as I was there praying and, and, and taking this all in, I thought, man, that's, that's how it is in our lives. That sometimes we see God moving. We, we, we feel the conviction of God, the Holy Spirit coming our direction. We, we know he's pressing in on an area of our life. Even right now while I'm preaching, some of you know exactly the area that God has his finger on. He's saying, listen, Brandon's talking to you. That's me talking through someone to you because there's that area in your life that needs to change. And you've known it for a long time. And you see him coming. But what do we do instead of repenting and turning to God? We just kind of run a little further down the road. We run a little further down the road. And sometimes people, sometimes people do this their whole life. And maybe toward the end of their life, you hear these kind of end of life crisis of faith moments where they realize they see the end coming. Maybe in a season like this with the pandemic and fears of death and stories of people dying, some people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out of time. I, I, just in case, I want to make sure we're good. But why wait until you get to the end? Because one, you're not guaranteed you'll see the end coming. But, but why wait why wait till later when you can walk with God now? And if you want to make a change, it requires a leap. It requires a new direction. You can't keep running from God and toward your sin. You have to make a leap. You have to make a decision. You have to make a jump, and you can say, God, I'm all in. I'm going to jump into your arms. I'm going to, I'm going to jump into trust and faith and belief. I'm going to repent from sin, turn to you, so that my personal revival can come in my life. And here it is in your teaching notes. The final point is that when we move closer to God, God moves. This is such good news. When we move closer to God, God moves. When we turn from sin and turn to Jesus, he moves in our life. He changes things. His blessing comes in our life. He changes things inside of us, in the people around us. He uses us. He works through us. God has so much more planned for your life than you can ever imagine. You have no idea. All the things God wants to do through your life. But you have to turn. Turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Make that leap of trust and say, God, I'm placing my life in your hands. I'm available. God, work in me. But I'm repenting from my sin and I'm turning to you because I want to see you move. Acts 3.19, repent then. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That what? Look at that. It's beautiful. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for everybody in your home. That's what we want for our communities and our cities. That's what we want for our nation and our world, for times of refreshing to come, for revival to come, for a, a fresh experience with, with the presence and power of God in our life. Not organized religion, not another program or event or even a service. These things can have their place in time, but what we want to encounter is the presence and the power of God. And you will not get that simply by attending a service or watching a teaching video or whatever it is. You only get that when you turn away from sin and you turn to God. Repent so that times of refreshing can come. That's when God's power comes in our life. And that's what we want. And it's such a beautiful thing when you see it. I hope we hear in the season to come of great stories, many stories of people who turn from sin and they turn to Jesus. And they say, there's nothing like it. This is where I was headed, but I made the leap and I turned to Jesus and now my life is different. And maybe today, maybe your story will be the story we'll be hearing about in the months and the years to come 
All that God has done since that day, today, when you said, I'm trusting God with my life. I'm trusting him with my future. I am no longer satisfied by reveling in sin. I want to revel in the grace and the power and the joy of God in my life. But you have to repent. It's not going to come till you repent. That word is so important. Why do we not talk about that? That's such a powerful word. It's all throughout the Bible. Repent. Repent. Turn to God. Turn to God so that times of refreshing can come. What a beautiful thing. Times of refreshing, an oasis of God, and, a, and an oasis of, of rest and peace, that it could come and rest in your life and in your heart. That's what we want, but it comes through repentance. I'm going to take a moment to pray, and I'm going to pray that all of us, that, 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 that dangerous prayer, but it's, it's in some ways the safest prayer you can pray, that prayer that the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin. That's what I'm going to pray, and it's I say dangerous, but the real danger is that, that you push God away and you don't pray that prayer. And you say, no, God, I'm good. I got it. I got it. I got it good. God, I'm good. I'm good. And he's saying, you're not good. You're doing it your way, and your way's not better. My way's better. Trust me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that prayer over all of us right now, that, that God will expose in us the, the sin, the, the issues that need to change, where he wants to move, the new growth, the new opportunities, the, the, the areas of faith we need to trust him more, whatever it might be in your life, so that you can grow closer to him. And you might say, well, Brandon, I don't have any little big obvious sin. I've, I've kind of dealt with those things. I'm, I'm good. But listen, there is, there's always room to grow. While we're here on earth sucking oxygen into our lungs, God is not finished with us. He's not finished in two ways, what he wants to do through your life, but first of all, what he wants to do in your spirit in your soul. So he wants to grow you. And so if you don't know what those areas are, ask him. Say, God, give me wisdom. He says he gives to those who ask in faith, he'll give you wisdom. How can I grow? How can I be more like Jesus? That's what we're going to pray. Before we close in this message in prayer, I want to share one last verse with you. For anyone who's listening, who's thinking about, yeah, I, I think that's me. I, th I think God is speaking to me today. I need to repent. I want to I tell you how beautiful it is if you'll repent. And I want you to think about, if you've already repented, how amazing it is that you were adopted into God's family, into the kingdom of God. It says in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus' own words, he says, I tell you the truth. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. When, when one person, you know, I have a band around my wrist that says everyone matters. It's, it's one of our passions here at Church Experience when one person turns away from sin and turns to God, when they repent, every life matters. It says that there is a party in heaven of epic proportion. There is an eternal party with angels throwing down. I mean, they are excited. There is a heavenly party, a cosmic party over every life that turns to him. That means that the eyes of heaven are watching. They are engaged. They are not disengaged. They are watching what happens here on earth. They are for what happens here on earth, for God's kingdom to come. And he wants his kingdom to come in your life. And so if that's you and you know it today, you know you need to repent. Listen, as you repent and as you turn to God, the eyes of heaven are watching you. The angels are waiting to rejoice. They're there ready to celebrate, to throw a party. They're like, come on, you can do it. Come on, cross that line. Put your heart in Jesus' hand. We're gonna, we're gonna celebrate and we get to do this. This party doesn't end. We get to do this forever. So just, just come on into the party. Come on into the celebration. You can do it. Turn from your sin. Turn to him. Run to him. Get the help that you need reach out to your, your pastors, your counselors, reach out to your Christian friends, but, but do what you gotta do. Run from that sin and run to Jesus. And when you do it, I'm telling you, it's a party. It's a party. I hope that you'll receive him today. Let's pray together.
Let's pray in faith. God in heaven, we thank you so much for your ways that are higher than our ways, your ways that are perfect and they're good and they're pleasing. God, we want, we want your will to come. Not our will, but God, your will. Your kingdom to come in our life. Your reign, Jesus, over all of our life and, and our friends' lives and our families' lives. That's what we're asking, Jesus. Nothing less for the kingdom to come, for a personal revival to come. And a, and a corporate collective revival to come. That's what we want, God. We're praying for it. We're begging you for it because, God, we know that's where real life exists. This world, the, the pleasures and the joys of this world are so weak and anemic in comparison to what you offer, God. You offer life to the full for all of eternity. And so, God, we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done here, now, in our lives. Jesus, come. So, God, we're collectively gonna just pray this prayer right now, maybe right there where you are in your vehicle or maybe in your, your home, in your living room. Maybe you just want to put your palms open towards heaven as if you're, you're asking this yourself and you're just saying this prayer. God, expose in me anything that, that needs to change. Help me see the areas I need to grow. I trust you with my life. I, I'm placing my life in your hands, God. I trust you. And while we're still praying, if there's anyone who's hearing this message and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior to save you from your sin, you've never repented and turned to him, you can do that right now by simply praying and inviting him into your heart and into your life. You can do that by simply repeating this prayer after me. God in heaven, I acknowledge my sin before you and I repent. I turn from my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. I place my faith in you, my hope in you. Fill my life. Lead me as I attempt to follow you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear our Church Experience Worship Original Song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.